I'm Kelly Harrell, author, animist, and creator of the Weekly Rune. Solentent Arts is my soul-tending practice, and you're listening to What in the Weird, my podcast in which I talk about runes, actionable animism, soul-tending, and how all of those intersect through sacred activism on my path. I want to thank all of my Patreon supporters who make the sharing of my rune work through the RuneCast and this podcast possible with their financial support. If you'd like to support the Weekly Rune, you get access to the full RuneCast, no ads, more details on the RuneCast, weekly prompts for engaging the half-month rune in your personal work, and a Galder recording for how to work with the Weekly RuneCast through chanting. You can contribute as little or as much as you'd like, and the rewards scale according to what you'd like to receive. And if you don't want any rewards, you just want to show your support, you're welcome to do that. Go to patreon.com and search for The Weekly Rune. You can also subscribe to the free version of The Weekly Rune by going to soulintentarts.com. And thank you so much for doing that. I'm recording this episode ahead of the weekly rune for the first time ever because today is summer solstice in the northern hemisphere and I want to talk a little bit about the runic correlations with the summer solstice. So Dagaz in the Old Norse tradition emphasizes a relationship to Balder who is Odin's youngest son, the darling And in that, Balder is associated with the sun, as is Dagaz. And the relationship between Balder and Dagaz is that his his death, Balder's death, his murder, indicates the sun's demise. Every day, the sun goes down. Next day, the sun comes up. This is a, a mythology that circulates in the psychology around Dagaz. And I think that analogy makes Balder or the sun a good metaphor for the ego because the ego dies every day also. So there are a lot of perspectives on what the ego is and, and how it is applicable in interpretation. And of course, the classical old white guy take on ego is that it's the aspect of the self that determines self-esteem or self-importance. And that definition has evolved into a more psychoanalytical construct that the ego is part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious, and it's responsible for reality testing to create our personal identity. Like, you know, what is our relationship to the external and what does that say about us? My take on the ego is it's the part of the human mind complex that protects the body. It tells you that you're too precious to step in front of a bus. You know, it saves you in that regard. Or it says, you know, you can't fit into this particular social group. It might do that in an unhealthy manner, but that's ultimately what its message is. This group is not safe for you. Um, or it tells you that things will be better tomorrow. There's, there's this 
continual sense of they used to be way better back in the day uh, or they'll be better tomorrow or some combination of both. And there's even a projection that the ego carries such that uh, you're so precious the world doesn't deserve you so let's heroically step in front of that bus. The correlation through each of those is that they're driven by enormous ego. You might even say the ego was the bus driver in those examples. We always think that arrogance is the display of a big ego, that that bravado is, is big ego. Well, years ago, I was in this Reiki class, and another student in the class offered a take on ego that made the teacher really, really mad. The student said constantly being a martyr or emphasizing shyness as a personal quality, like putting these things forward of who you are. I, I, you, you are saving somebody, or no, 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 I, I couldn't possibly do that. That kind of demure, um, still projection of self is also a big ego. They're all still centered on the self just in different ways. One is building the person up in front of other people, and one is constantly trying to remove yourself from other people. It's still a big ego. Well, that woman changed my head around ego for the rest of my life, and I've never forgotten what she said or that she put a very ego-driven Reiki teacher in her place. Well, that was a really typical stance, though, back when I was starting on my path of spiritual exploration. The anthem of the day was kill the ego. You must kill your ego to be a truly grounded spiritual person. I posted about this on Instagram the other day, but no, 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 no. We don't go around killing aspects of ourselves to be better people. It doesn't work that way. The ego is ultimately life force, and life force is forever. Animism doesn't work that way. Animism doesn't kill shit. Stop trying to death walk the ego. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. So where does a healthy ego fit in, and is there such a thing? Well, you bet there is, and it's not dead. It's alive and well and in its proper place. You know how energy follows awareness? That's another gem that was very popular in the 90s. What we focus on changes. Could be good change, could be not so good, but it will change. So, like back in the 90s, that meant focus on stuff, hurry up, hurry up, and focus on stuff. But but really, what was missing from that is the task needs to become educating ourselves on all the variables and skills that influence how we focus, right? I mean, that, that's the piece that's been missing. And factors like our unconscious and ego influence the direction of our lives, the awareness of our lives. Another ego factoid I picked up a long time ago is that the ego isn't present during sleep. One more time, the ego slips aside when you sleep, meaning that's why your dreams are a deep dive into the real unseen inner machinations that determine your life directions. I mean, that's some huge shit. 
okay, first of all, the ego goes away when you're sleeping. So that means when we're asleep, that's our perfect opportunity to not just learn where our antenna is really pointed, where is our awareness and what's it doing, but also to be able to intervene with our awareness, with our internal unseen, without the obstacle of ego affecting what we do. I've been a lifelong lucid dreamer, though it took me until my early teens to really map the patterns of my dreams. Dream work is something that has been a lifelong pursuit for me because I think as a dissociative child, dreaming was the only way I could really handle what my unconscious had to say about what was going on in my life. And and that's why I attribute so much emphasis on dreaming and, and understanding what's going on on the inside, you know, using the dreams as a tool for that. I started keeping a dream journal when I was like 10 or 11 years old. So I had this vast log of what my unconscious was saying, this record of patterns that would play out over and over in my dreams. And I started using those patterns to direct my mindfulness practices as a teenager and to direct my therapy focuses in my 20s. And that effort saw complete obliteration, if not just you know radical change, of the patterns in my dreams by the time I was in my 30s. The patterns had changed. There were still patterns, but I knew that that change represented the ones from my childhood were not driving my unconscious anymore. And now in my 40s, they're gone. I don't dream about those same things anymore. There aren't actually not many patterns at all in my dreams anymore. And I, I feel like that is because, one, I'm a lucid dreamer and it's, it's something that I know how to do, but it's because the ego slips away and I'm able to get in there and, and do that work in the dreaming, bring it back and apply it to how I work my mindfulness practices and my therapy in the day-to-day. But what the hell does that have to do with anything? Baldur's death, as signified by the sun going down every night, is a good reminder of what our potential is when the ego, the chatter, is quiet. When I first learned that the ego slips away at night, I thought, yeah, so what? I mean, it's just going to come back in the morning. What difference does it make? The information that wasn't included on the packaging with that little statement was that you can change the ego's influence. You can change how it speaks to you, the impact that it has on your life. You can change how you respond to it. And the way that you do that is by bringing awareness to your ego. That's the vital information that I didn't get until I read Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, which is really, really good, and I highly recommend it if this kind of mindfulness practice uh, would be relevant for where you are in your in your path right now. I, I really feel like it should be required reading for healthy egoing of all things. So, the first step in changing your ego 
is to learn to distinguish it from your true self. And you do that by incorporating mindfulness practices. And, and mindfulness can be synonymous with awareness. Where you point your awareness is where change happens. Learn mindfulness techniques so that that change can be in a direction that you want it to be. And, and we talked about that in our last episode about how, you know, n- none of us are just born knowing how to direct, hold, and apply awareness. It's not a fault. There's, there's nothing wrong. There's no blame in it. We have to learn it and we need to learn it to tend our deep well-being. So the correlation I'm making with Degas in the Weekly Rune at at present, the one that's going to come out over the next week, is that, you know, we, we do get the goods of hard work, of working with the runes in season this year. That is what's coming up in the rune cast. Not just because we're about to tip into the new runic year, we're, we're at the end of it. So, you know, Degas in the runic calendar marks the end of things. We're there. And, and that ending portends certain benefits as we move into the new cycle. This week's runes aren't tied into that. They're, they're still at the closure point, and yet they're already showing the blessing, the brightness that's at hand right now. And that is the result of all the work you've done to grow and respond better to your needs and the needs of the world over this last year. So, in the true spirit of summer solstice, again I say, you are the gap. You are not the things. The things are the ego. The things are the, the stuff you're worried about, the relationships, the titles, the names, the chatter. None of that is you. The beginning of the year is not you. The ending of the year is not you. Solstice is neither of those things either. It's right smack in the middle of those things that 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 gap that never gets spoken of that's where the truth lies so i'm not emphasizing the end of the year i'm not emphasizing the beginning of next year i am standing squarely in the gap between the two where the sun stands still today and i'm thanking you for doing that for doing that hard work every day And in that light, see what I did there? I'm taking this gap time to reinvent the podcast. So over the next month, as it moves into its third season, because, oh my God, yeah, third season, I can't believe that. It's going to move in a new direction for this new turn on the wheel. And I look forward to seeing you there. I want to leave you with the Dagaz half-month affirmation from my book, Runic Book of Days, and that is, under the brightest light is truth, shadowed only by my protection, knowing my darkness is just as divine. Mm -hmm.